Emma Donahue joins us. The name of the book is Learned by Heart. It's very nice to meet you. Thank you. Let's start with where this particular, if we can be Oprah-esque about it, journey started for you. It was in a bookshop. I feel almost sheepish that it was so long ago. I think it was 33 years ago. I was escaping from the rain, went into a bookshop and came across the first published excerpts of the diaries of Anne Lister, who at the time was the most specialist of geekish specialist topics. But she's much better known now, the 19th century Yorkshire diarist. Um, she's been the subject of a BBC HBO series about her life in her 40s called Gentleman Jack. So she's becoming quite an icon now. But back then, she was utterly obscure and I just plunged into this book and it really set my career going in several ways. Well, set the table for us because, I mean, she has been described as, quote, the first modern lesbian. I think what's so modern about her is that um, I'm sure women have been, you know, fancying and sleeping with women throughout time. But Anne Lister actually formed an identity around it and a remarkably proud identity. You know, she she writes these confident things like, I love and only love the fairer sex. My heart revolts from any other love but theirs. You know, very few women were making statements like this before about 1970. So Anne was was remarkably confident in many ways. She was this very brilliant um, autodidact growing up in early 19th century Yorkshire um, from sort of gentry background, but no money. And she was um, extremely what we would now call gender nonconforming. And she saw herself as this unique individual who was a kind of, you know, like a man, but not a man. Um, and she, she was exploratory and thoughtful and quite celebratory about these identities in a way which is so modern. And she kept this astonishingly frank diary using a secret code she devised to to mask about 15% of the content. Anything embarrassing about money or clothes or her 12 affairs with women, basically, that's what the code was for. How was that code broken? It wasn't a very difficult one. So, for instance, one of her relatives, when he inherited Shibden Hall in Halifax, and he looked at the volumes of his, his great aunt's um, diaries, he and his friend broke the code fairly quickly. And his friend was horrified and said, we have to burn these immediately. You, you know, your aunt was an appalling um, seducer of women. And to be fair, the descendant, John Lester, said, no, I don't think we'll burn anything. So he just put the books back. And only in the 1980s did Virago Press publish this first book of excerpts from the diaries about Anne Lister in her 20s. And that book, um, I adapted it into my first play. I got an agent through um, the, the editor of that book. Um, it just, it, it was a long obsession. And now all these decades later, I've written a book about Anne Lister's teenage years and before the diary, before any of the sources we have, um, all about the first girl she fell in love with when at boarding school. Can you frame for people listening right now just how out of the margins she was as a figure in her own time? She was remarkable. Um, when she inherited her, her uncle and aunt's house, Shibden Hall, she started um, investing in coal mines and set up a casino and invested in canals. So she was a, a businesswoman. She was a traveler. She's one of the first women to climb several mountains. She eventually died at 49 traveling in the Caucasus. Um, so she was just enterprising and remarkable in every way, um, including in her last relationship with a woman. They, they used all the legal means they could to make it a kind of marriage. They made wills in each other's favor, for instance. I suppose what fascinated me was how would such a, a maverick, a groundbreaker have been at 14? You know, what are those earliest traits she'd have had? I think she would always have been 
physically energetic. She used to stride, you know, 20 miles over the moors, verbally skillful and fluent and um, um, fast to learn, uh, effortlessly um, multilingual and scholarly and always, always fancying the girls, basically. <laughs> I think those are the, the lifelong traits of Anne Lister. And Madonna, who is our guest, uh, the book is learned by heart and we're ignoring the fact this is romance. So there's another half to it. Tell us about the, the other individual in this. Well, the funny thing is, when I finally um, came to write this novel, after decades of thinking about it, I'd always known I wanted to focus on her first love affair with Eliza Rain, who was in many ways the most interesting of these women who Anne Lister fell for. Eliza Rain was a biracial heiress from Madras in India, which is now Chennai. She was sent off by her British father at the age of six from India to England, away from her Indian family, and, and no links were kept up with them. She was orphaned very soon. So there she was in Yorkshire at boarding school at 14 with a beauty and um, lots of likable qualities. Uh, she was educated. She was mannerly. She had a big stonking fortune in the bank. Her father had um, left his his biracial daughters £4,000 each, which was really substantial money. But she was illegitimate and she was biracial, a fact that she tried to never mention. It comes up just once in one of her letters. She says, I'm a young lady of colour. But apart from that, she just doesn't mention it. And I think Eliza Rain is this you know, unique perspective on British society because she's living that high status Regency lady life. And yet all the time she knows that she's the outsider, the other. So she and Anne Lister were put in an attic room together, just two of them in the one room, a room called The Slope. And we know this because Eliza Rain, like, you know, anxious kids everywhere, she she recorded exactly who was who and who was in each room in in the building. And we know that they had this passionate love affair and called each other husband and wife and planned to be together forever and go traveling in Italy as soon as the Napoleonic Wars would end. So the story is very much a love story. And what surprised me when I came to write it is that it ended up being all from Eliza's point of view, because Anne Lister gets to have her say in this five million word diary that some say is the longest in the English language. And she's such a, you know, a top dog. And whereas Eliza Rain is much less known, had a much sadder history. And I just found her perspective way, way more unspoken and untold and interesting. So yes, it ends up being Eliza Rain's story. Did Anne Perry, the mystery thriller writer, play any role or have any uh, influence on on this particular book? Because that is, of course, a famous real-life lesbian story as well. Um, Not that I'm aware of, but you know, everything goes into the soup. So of course, I remember watching Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures, which since you've brought it up, yes, it's a remarkably passionate affair between two girls who are, are driven into a rage when when their love is thwarted by the adults. So that could easily be part of the unconscious background of this. I would say more consciously, what went into this novel is, is all the reading I've ever done about the whole sort of history of what they called romantic friendship between women. And um, the funny thing was that because, you know, lesbianism was so invisible and didn't even come up in law, a lot of people assumed it couldn't happen. And so under the radar, a lot of women have had relationships with each other that never got noticed and never got called that, never got criminalized. So the whole kind of secret world of relationships between women, I think, is illuminated by this story of Anne Lister and Eliza Rain. Was there ever a time where you thought you would write this as a nonfiction book as opposed to a novel? No, not this one, because um, when I've 
when I've dabbled in nonfiction, it's it's when the sources have been very full. I think what fiction is really brilliant at is illuminating those shadowy corners that we will never manage to to get into in a in a historically scholarly way. And um, Eliza Rain ended up in an asylum, and everything was lost apart from any letters that she'd sent to Anne Lister or Anne Lister's family. So we will, at this point, I think, probably never find out much more about her. You know, I have no idea was her mother Muslim or or Hindu, for instance, the whole Indian side of her was really erased deliberately. She was English, as it were. Her father sent her off to make his biracial child English. So um, I think in cases like that, um, where there's been a sort of deliberate forgetting of many of the facts about somebody's life uh, brushing under the carpet, I think fiction is is the ideal tool for that. How important to you, I mean, this, again, may be a silly question, but is it to tell queer stories? Oh, it's so important. And and I, I don't do it in a spirit of advertising. <laughs> you know, I've never felt obliged to write sort of positive role models or positive representation. I mean, to me, what is positive about representation is the truth telling. And that includes our murderers and our mad women and our, our losers and failures and, and breakup stories. So, yeah, I, I love telling the, the past, including the queer past, in all its messy muddiness and um. I, I love stories where there's no clear hero or villain as well, because, you know, Anne Lister very much moved on with her life and Eliza Rain stayed stuck and nostalgic and brooding. But that doesn't make Anne Lister a villain. After all, most people don't end up with the person they fell for at 14. I certainly didn't. So um, I, I, I like emotionally messy stories. And one thing I love about writing Queer Lives before the clear labels were established is that they felt they were just inventing all these things for the first time. They had no boxes to to tick and they had no forms to fill in. They were just like, whoa, what's happening to me? I seem to be falling for a girl. Does that make me a boy? What's going on? So I love that feeling of freshness. I suppose writers are always looking for opportunities to make our characters go on an extraordinary kind of journey of change from beginning to end. And um, same-sex love pre-1900 certainly does that. Okay, well, and I'd be curious to extend on that because we live in a time where being gay is not that big a deal and i appreciate things are a bit fraught these days especially in the united states but still a kid growing up and realizing they might be gender different they have a template that they can lean in on that's true it's such a different world and it's it's funny because one of the things the novel deals with is mental illness and that eliza in her 20s started to really fall apart in a way that's hard for us to diagnose now and similarly young people today are enormously open about that stuff in fact it's interesting that people now use to come out or come out of the closet they use it as a metaphor about admitting to anything you know had a stillbirth you know had a suicide attempt and people have uh, i think what they've learned from the sort of gay civil rights struggle is that that these secrets are burdensome, tedious, and they are an energy sink. And that if you can be honest with the people in your lives about these things, you free up so much more energy to, to, to move on with your life and say, in my case, write many books. So um, yeah, the the it, it is it is fascinating how much has changed for for um for same-sex love since Anne and Eliza's day. But of course, as you mentioned, you know, in the States, we've seen some laws move backwards. In places like Uganda, you know, you could be facing a death sentence. So um, some would say that um, history is not neatly vertical. History is horizontal in that at any one point on this earth, you could probably find people who are in exactly Anne and Eliza's situation of, you know, what is this thing called love? And, you know, how can we hide it from the entire world? Thank you very much for this. I've really enjoyed talking to you.